Welcome to The Nine Design, a podcast where we're looking at all nine Enneagram types in light of our culture as Aussies and our faith as followers of Jesus. I'm here with Serena, who's living in Melbourne. And I'm here with Seth, who lives in Adelaide. And we are so excited to have you join us for The Nine Design. Basically, this practice, in light of the Enneagram, it's a way of grabbing a hold of a thought or a feeling or a gut response, depending on how you're wired, and pulling on those thoughts, feelings or gut responses down into our inner world and discovering some of the truth that actually lies deep at the core of us. In this episode, we'll be exploring prayer and meditation, what they are, why they're essential, and how they help us. We'll also share some tips on how you can begin practicing different forms of prayer and how to practically integrate them into your lives. And Ryan will be joining us to walk us through how to take our thoughts captive. We are so thankful you've chosen to make The Nine Design part of your lives and we don't take that commitment lightly. Our hope is that this podcast will help you discover how God has uniquely designed you so you can grow into the potential of who you are and help others do the same. So if you find this helpful, we would love you to share it with your friends and use it to start meaningful conversations about life, community, and spirituality. All right then, let's dive into the creative ways we've been designed. Okay, let's talk about prayer and meditation. Prayer, put simply, is talking to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and listening to what He says. It's like having a conversation. We want to bring God into our everyday lives. We want to talk to Him like we would talk to a friend, you know, a brother, a mother, a father. We want to talk to Him and commune with Him daily. There's also this aspect of prayer that is both holy and informal. And sometimes we can swing from one to the other and it's so holy that it needs to be scripted and read out or it's so informal that you're just sort of like, hey, dad, what's up? You know, and prayer, this conversation that we have with God is this beautiful balance of both of those, holy and informal. As far as meditation is concerned, when we talk about Christian meditation, is it's us tapping into our inner life. We're actually filling our minds and our hearts with the Spirit of God. The Hebrew word meditation has to do with this chewing over idea. So picture yourself eating some steak. You don't just take a bite and swallow it. You're chewing it over and letting it sit there for a while and really mulling over it. In fact, I've heard it described This is kind of gross, but think of how a cow is chewing over the food, swallows it, and then it kind of brings it up again from one stomach to another. It's got four stomachs. And it's that's kind of what meditating biblically is, where it's bringing up stuff you already know, chewing over it a bit, and then letting it absorb into you, and then bringing it up again and chewing over it. So it's kind of a gross analogy, but... I've heard with cows, isn't that like where they take, even though it's a gross process, but they're, they're taking the best nutrients or whatever from the grass, like the fourth time that they ruminate over it is where they absorb the most. <laughs> yeah. But you you were so right. It's not about emptying our minds. And unlike Eastern meditation practices, that the goal is to empty and and become, you know, one with the earth. Christian meditation is focused on centering on the person of Jesus and the word of God. And in doing that, it allows us to meet with him and be more transformed into his likeness. Okay, let's focus in on prayer now. And when I say the word prayer, what sort of images come up in your mind? What does it connect with? Yeah, so I've got sort of two big pictures come to mind. One is what I have sort of been programmed to think of the word and and the other is kind of what I'm experiencing and actually living out. And so when I think of prayer, 
some of the images that could be conjured up very very formal one-sided phone call where i share my <laughs> shopping list and i hope god's listening and and within that there's this idea of if i say the right words in the right order mm. then he has to help or he has to answer it because the bible says that he will and it's this very unrelational discussion and that's sometimes how i can come to prayer wanting to just get God to do what I want him to do. Mm. One, that's very unbiblical. But two, that sets me up for disappointment because more common than not, the way I think things should happen is not the way that God wants things to happen. And so when I pray like that, I get angry, I get frustrated, I get disappointed. It isn't my timeline, all that sort of stuff. So that's that's mm. kind of what comes to mind on one level of what prayer is. And the second thing that comes to mind is this ongoing discussion where I'm in the middle of something and I recognize I don't know how to do it or I, I don't I don't have energy and where my first response is, well, God, could you help me out here? Or Spirit, what do you think is actually going on here? Or It isn't like a long conversation. It's usually mm. two or three words or just a quick yell out or whatever. Like that is kind of what I picture prayer now a lot more. Yeah. I ask a couple things. And then I kind of hear a bit and then I respond. And and so that that to me kind of is what prayer is. That kind of is what comes to mind. And I'm sure we'll unpack a little bit more what that looks like for me personally as we're living it out. But what comes to mind when you hear the word prayer? For me, it's a, a listening and responding. It's also a talking to God, but I actually just want to hear what he, he wants to say to me. You know, I can probably err on the side of, I don't need to tell you what's going on in my life, God, because you already know. Probably that's not always right. But on one hand, of course, he knows what's going on. But on the other hand, he loves to hear me ask him and talk to him and share what's going on with him. So I know that that's important more so for our intimacy and our relationship that I do share that stuff with him. So that's kind of what prayer looks like for me. But I've certainly been in a uh, different seasons where I've done the shopping list style prayer. Mm. I've also shied away from prayer meetings because they seem boring. <laughs> like mm -hmm. full mm -hmm. disclosure, I've been yeah. <laughs> invited to a lot of boring prayer meetings <laughs> uh, in the past. And yeah. yeah, and I've just kind of gone, oh, if that's what it means to like have a prayer meeting, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. I think prayer is interwoven into every aspect of life pick up my kids from school, I'm talking to God, or I'm cooking dinner and I'm talking to God, or I'm about to have a meeting and I'm talking to God. Or It's just, it's in every part. It's not segregated or compartmentalized at all. When you were talking about sharing stuff, even though he knows mm. what's happening, mm. I was reminded of one of the things I really enjoy doing with my boys. When I'm putting them to bed, I'll ask them to tell me about their day. And often, Escher, my middle child, he's around the house most of the week. He goes to kindy two days a week. And so I kind of know and I've seen what he's doing all day because I work from home. And so often he'll retell me some of that and then I'll retell him in story form like once upon a time there was a boy named Escher and he lived in a house and he climbed the couch, you know, and I'll just sort of retell exactly what he's done, but <laughs> yeah. he loves it. And even though we both know what he's done, there's this, this bonding that happens in there. And yeah, I feel like good. there's something about that something similar in when we're telling God stuff he already knows, but it's more us realigning our relation with God, like coming back to saying, yeah, I just want to share with you. It isn't about us getting God to do something for us. 
And that's kind of that's kind of what I thought growing up prayer was. I ask God to do something, he does it. It isn't like that. Prayer is reshaping my heart back to the Father's heart. It's really interesting because in the Bible, there's a lot of people who pray and they ask God to do something and to move. And he mm-hmm. does. I think of Abraham when he's praying for Lot and he's changing God's mind in many ways. You, you see him sort of arguing and, and Moses does the same thing. He's like, you know, God, you can't, you can't do this. And it would it would reflect poorly on you and and you see god mm. sort of shifting his dire- the direction he's going in and so you do see people praying and asking god to do something and that is a pattern but mostly in the bible prayer is all about changing us not getting god to do something it's actually getting us to shift to change and realign our view back to the kingdom purpose and i think for many people myself included when the word prayer is used it's not necessarily that and that's why i get frustrated when god doesn't do what i've just asked him to or when he doesn't act in the way that i expect i'm missing that the point of prayer is that my heart is shifting. So when I'm praying for someone, sometimes it could be that they would they'd be healed. Sometimes it could be something really practical, but more often than not, it's changing my my opinion of them. If I'm praying for my enemy or someone who hates me, I'm not I'm actually praying so that my view changes, so that I love them the way that God loves them and Prayer is so important that way, but that's rarely kind of how it's presented. Mm, Yeah, they are such important implications of what prayer does in and through us and I think highlights why prayer is an essential formation practice. Mm. There's a reason why, you know, when you are first discipled as a new Christian or first come to know God that people say, you know, you need to pray or they teach you how to pray. And that that's, you know, almost step one and along with reading your Bible. And there's a reason for that because it is so key and it is one of the steps that transforms us more into the image of Christ. I think it's just such a key practice. And I just really loved how you said this, Seth. It's more about changing us and not about getting our shopping list needs ticked and bringing our needs before God, even though that's a part of (laughs) prayer. But it's more about what's happening inside of us. And to keep that thinking about prayer and when we're talking to God is so key. Yeah. I mean, Jesus models this all throughout his life, but the one that comes really clearly to me is when he's in the garden and he's praying. He's asking Mm. God for something specific, right? He's saying, if there's a different way, let's change it because this is going to be very painful. It's going to be hard for me to bear. But the way he says it isn't like a shopping list. It isn't, I want you to do this, God. I'm waiting for you to do it in my timeline. He says, mm-hmm. but not my will, but yours. And that is the posture that, I mean, his heart was being shaped in that moment, which I think is amazing that mm-hmm. the son of God was being realigned with God's purposes regularly. That that just blows my mind. It's so good. There are so many uh, stories where prayer was the marker of Jesus's walk with God and mm-hmm. his life here on earth. And we talked about a lot of them in our different episodes on practices like silence and solitude and stillness. But of all the things that the disciples saw Jesus doing, you know, they saw him healing people, raising people from the dead, 
doing all these amazing miracles, preaching like to masses of people. And one of the biggest questions that was noted in the Bible is the disciples asking him, teach us how to pray. Mm. And I know that if it was me and I'm putting in my own culture and context, but I would have been like, teach me how to like heal the guy of leprosy. Like that was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) But it must have been something about the way he prayed that really struck his followers where they were like, this is different. Yeah, I would be like, Jesus, teach me how to project my voice so that 5,000 people can hear me talking. (laughs) Like, how do you do that? But even with all these amazing things happening to be able to say, well, we want to know how you pray, that's significant. And I know that in the culture there, that was the big question all disciples asked the rabbis because every rabbi had a specific way to pray. But you'd think with all the many, many things Jesus was doing, that wouldn't be a big priority, even though it's the norm. Yeah. But I think the really important thing is how Jesus responded to that. Like his prayer was such an intimate discussion with his father, a realigning things to kingdom purpose. And it's not a shopping list. It's not a things that I want to get done. It was all saying, you've got a purpose, you've got a will, and I want I want to be part of that. And I think that is so, so important because prayer goes hand in hand with almost every other spiritual practice like it is so the idea of spiritual practices is for us connecting with god and getting things back in perspective in the right way and prayer is just so crucial to that there's a world full of options when it comes to prayer that can suit all different personality styles and ways of connecting and that is often unexplored and something that i feel really strongly about is that there is this whole world out there of different spiritual practices and we just need to uncover them and god's given us lots of options of how to connect with him in unique and beautiful ways and a lot of these forms of prayer are great ways to actually meditate. So when we are sitting in stillness or in silence or in solitude and meditating over truths of Jesus, meditating over God's promises, mulling over that, chewing over that is one of the most beautiful ways to both pray and meditate at the same time. And there are so many different forms of meditation out there for us to discover. And it's really important for us to find the one that our personality connects with best. And what we're really passionate about is helping you find your way to connect with God that will connect best with how he's made you to own your spiritual formation, own your discipleship, to own your forming yourself into the image of Christ. Of course, the Holy Spirit is doing that inside of you, but discovering these things yourself and connecting to these practices is so important. And one of the ways we can own our faith and walk closely with God is by dialing into the, you know, the 24-7 prayer room in heaven. Brian Pickering from the Australian Prayer Network talks about this and he talks about how we can join in with what God's saying, what he's doing and agree with that on earth. And there's biblical foundations for that. This is different from when we just tack on Jesus' name and hope some miracle happens. That's not what we're talking about. I, I know in 1 John 5, there's a verse that says, we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Now, that verse has been misused and misunderstood for a very long time because Mm -hmm. it can sound like we're just saying, if you really want something, just pray it in his name and you'll get it. But I love how you've highlighted what Brian is saying. 
It is that we are agreeing with God's will, with what God already is wanting to happen and what he's already doing on earth. And it isn't us trying to manipulate that. Because see, if we are praying something in Jesus' name, take a picture of like the old branding, you know how they would like heat up something, a logo or whatever, a name, and they would brand it to to like leather goods or whatever it is. That is kind of like the seal. The name of Jesus is being sealed on something. That's what we're talking about here. It is us praying something that God is already at work, already doing, and sealing it because it's already his. It's not just saying, Jesus, I really need a new car. I now pray in Jesus' name that I get a brand new car. That's not what he's Mm. saying here at all. So I love how Brian highlights that. It's part of our kingdom identity, authority, and intimacy, you know, as followers of, of Jesus. So Galatians 4, 6 to 7 puts this really beautifully, and it says, And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. What more of a beautiful expression of prayer than crying out, Abba, Father? You know, we are his children, so we cry out to him as a father. And we come to him boldly with things that are meaningful to us because they mean something to him, as they do when our children have needs and they come to us with them. That verse is one of my favorite verses because it captures so much. You, You mentioned kingdom identity, authority, and intimacy. It's all there. The identity is we're, we're sons and daughters, we're heirs. There's this authority that comes with being an heir to a kingdom. But the intimacy, it isn't calling out, Master, because you're here, we'll do what you say. It's it's Abba, Father, it's Daddy. It's, it's this really intimate. I just love that. And if, if we're not living out of that place, prayer will mm-hmm. become a chore. Prayer will become something that's yep. hard. And we will not be meditating on things that turn our hearts back to God. Okay, so let's talk about the Enneagram because I think that's uh, really helpful for our listeners as we're leaning into that and spiritual practice. But in in regards to prayer and meditation, how do the different types respond or, or feel, struggle, find easy with these things? Yeah, each, each of the personality types will find prayer and meditation more challenging in different forms than others. You know, for example, type 3s can struggle with breath prayer. Ryan Cliff talked about how it's slowing down, a you know, maybe a Bible verse and, and taking one, one word at a time and meditating upon each of those words in that verse and what, expanding upon the meaning of that. And so will type sevens and eights all in the assertive stance, you know, that slowing down and ruminating over the, each word in a breath prayer can be super challenging. Fixed hour prayer can also be a struggle for these assertive types because it means, again, stopping. So fixed hour prayer is basically just uh, setting a timer throughout your day to pray. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because I find fixed prayer times both really easy and really hard in the sense that I find it easy because I can tick it off the list and be like, yep, I did that three times a day. I've, I've succeeded. But I find it really hard because often prayer isn't the purpose. <laughs> like I'll, I'll pause to pray yep. 
and I'll quickly rush through the prayer so that I can say I prayed, which totally misses the point. And so in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's easy. I totally do that all the time. You know, I've got this. And so I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yep. Certain types struggle with not having structured written prayers because I know that that in some circles, that is like the definite way to do it. But would that be something that if you're not doing that, but sort of the more spontaneous, unplanned sort of a prayer, what types would struggle with that? Yeah, I think definitely there would be certain types that would struggle with not having a structure to their prayer. Possibly type ones, you know, they, they're they very detail-oriented. So mm-hmm. having written mm-hmm. prayers would be praying the right things at the right times. For a type five, knowing that they've really thought through the prayer beforehand and can structure mm-hmm. it or that it's a structured prayer that somebody right. else thought through. So like this would be like liturgy is really strong for some personalities more than others. Yeah, and I can also see that happening with type ones too, just back on that because they would be like, oh, somebody wrote this prayer like this for a reason. So therefore, this is the right way, you know, or this is the best way to pray it because that somebody came up with this. Mm-hmm. I think certain type sixes might struggle with it in terms of if if it was an authority, like so if they were belonging to a certain denomination and the de- denomination authorised certain prayers as being the, the most important, then that would be something for a six. As in they would struggle not following those, yeah. those prayers. Yeah, yeah, so it would be then they would want to stick to those prayers because the authority that they belong to mm-hmm. or governed by uh, mandated those prayers so yeah i can see how a type six would want to connect with that although on the type six it's it's important for type sixes to hear god's voice learning to recognize his voice is really key for type sixes for me personally that passage in in john 10 27 my sheep hear my voice and follow me has been super significant for me that reassurance that i will know his voice i am made to know his voice. I can trust his voice above any other authority. You know, he is my authority. He's the ultimate authority. And so learning to hear God's voice for a type six is super helpful for themselves, not going through everybody else to hear his voice, but actually connecting with God on a personal level and hearing his voice for themselves, super, super key for type sixes. Yeah, and something that's really helpful for all types, but I'm I'm guessing particularly for people who hold authority really high is the fact that we do have an authority the scriptures tell us the truths of who god is what he's like and so to be able to meditate on those truths is a great way i think for for all of us who struggle with that at some level Mm. to be reminded this is truth that i feel like is something that all of us can lean into because we don't have to be vague and be like well i wonder if it is true you know like we can actually take those and just mull over them mm-hmm. for a long time. And for a type yeah. six, learning to trust their own inner authority is the work <laughs> that we've got to do. And so by mm-hmm. hearing God's voice for ourselves, we can then make decisions based on that and based on what our own authority says in connection to that and move forward. So we've talked about sevens, threes, eights, sixes, ones. What about the others? Are there things that they find easy or hard with meditation or prayer? So for the withdrawn types, four, fives, and nines, it's more of a natural and downstream sort of practice that meditation. It's the reflecting back. So these types being in the withdrawn stance, they're past oriented. So looking back, reflecting, that's natural. So self-reflection, meditation, reflecting on God, reflecting on things Mm -hmm. in the past and meditating on that, ruminating, you know, all those things we mentioned about Mm -hmm. meditation is very easy for those types to kind of connect in with. 
So prayer and meditating is kind of wrapped up in most of the spiritual practices. And so throughout this season, we've already been sharing lots of different ways to pray and and different ways to meditate without using those words necessarily. So have a listen to the other episodes and you might find some really helpful practices. But let's talk about some new practices that we haven't yet talked about uh, and what the best practices around that would be. My overarching best practices involve God in every area of life. You know, talk to him as much as you can and listen Mm. more. Don't compartmentalize prayer to a Sunday. If you can weave it in, you can do some fixed hour prayer, centering prayer, whatever, but if you can weave in regularly just communing and talking to God throughout your day, that's the key. Yeah, because if God is a separate part to a majority of your life, mm-hmm. then when you are praying, it won't be relational. When you are meditating, it won't actually be meditating. Yeah, You'll just be missing it. So to be talking to God in all different areas of your life is so important to practice. And although that's our overarching hope for you, and if you take one thing from this episode, take that, we would like to give you a few other little practices that you could give a go if you're interested, because we also really love opening up the world of different spiritual practices that are out there Mm. uh, that you may not know about. So we briefly mentioned fixed hour prayer in this episode. And another one that my husband, Ryan, practices regularly, it's been really good for him, has been this prayer of awareness. And this is simply a a practice that you pause at the end of your day. So you, you may take half an hour and you capture any God moments that were maybe stolen due to rush and distractions. And it's like you're intentionally remembering your day, so going over the events of your day so you can discover where God has been at work. And you can journal God moments during my day where I missed God or where I experienced God. And if you do it every day for you know a few weeks, then you see a common thread of where he's working and what he's actually saying to you. Another practice that I have been trying to do This isn't one that comes naturally for me. But intercessory prayer is something that is really important and really powerful. If you're a reader and you like reading, there's a a book called Reese Howell's Intercessor. It's written by Norman Grubb. It's an amazing book, and it's about this guy, Reese Howells, and how he goes through this process of becoming a powerful intercessor. And intercessor is someone who stands on behalf of someone else. Jesus is our intercessor. The Spirit is our intercessor. The Bible talks a lot about that. But for us to learn how to do that is super important because it isn't just us praying for someone else. It's actually us taking on their pain, their burden, and walking with them through prayer, Mm. which is really powerful because, again, that changes us as much as it does for the person we're praying for. I can see that being a downstream practice for type twos, intercessory prayer, yeah. One of the form of prayer that you might have heard of before is called a benediction, and that may be a bit of a denominational terminology. Certain denominations Mm -hmm. um, probably use that more than others. But basically it's asking God for divine help, blessing and guidance, usually at the end of a worship service. So it's sort of like calling down his help, his guidance as you go out. Similar to a blessing, different rituals we have may have a blessing at the end. Different forms of meditation that you can try would be meditating on scripture, grabbing a Bible verse and meditating on it. A worship song that says line of scripture over and over again, you could play that while, you know, stilling your mind and filling it with the thoughts of God in that moment. Guided meditation, you know, there's there's some good Christian guided meditation resources out there, but I'd encourage you to to look for ones that are Bible-based. It can be 
hard to find good ones out there, but you have to sort of sift through a lot of bad ones. There's a process that I've been a part of that's been really helpful. And it's like a palms up, palms down process in meditation where you have your palms up to the sky and you're giving over to God. You've got your eyes closed and you've sort of centered yourself in stillness and you're giving over to God all the things that are is troubling you and uh, worrying you and then sort of releasing them to him and then you put your palms down it's like accepting everything he wants to give you in return his love and his kindness and his goodness and i've mentioned this one before just meditating through quiet worship so having mm -hmm. you know, quiet worship going something maybe without words instrumental kind of worship music and lying in stillness meditating on who god is and what he means to you and what he's done for you so just to summarize some of this stuff, prayer is simply talking with God and listening to what he has to say. It's this conversation two-way. And meditation is the filling our mind and our hearts of the things of God, his character, his promises and his truths, and sort of taking time set aside to mull over that, to chew over that to bring up those truths and be reminded. It's opposite to just emptying your mind and being filled with nothing. So Ryan, you're going to be sharing with us now how to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ through using a practical prayer tool. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me questions about how to do that and how does that even look? So I'm super excited for you to walk us through this process. Yeah, thanks, Serena. Previously, I've kind of shared a bit more of my learnings and discoveries, but with prayer and uh, meditation in particular, I think it's a great opportunity actually to do something practical. As you've sort of described, it's in 2 Corinthians 10 where Paul actually instructs us to take each thought captive to Christ and make it obedient to Christ. To take a thought captive to Christ and make it obedient is, uh, I don't know, nailing thoughts down is often like nailing jelly to a wall. Uh, they keep wriggling and moving and sliding about, so it's a bit of a challenge. Oh, look, it's one of those ones I feel like I've kind of developed over the time. I think I've probably stolen a bunch of stuff from different people and I forgive me, I can't recall where it's come from, but there's a bit of a synthesis and a bit of a Ryan Cliff just having a crack as well. Basically, this practice, in light of the Enneagram, it's a way of grabbing a hold of a thought or a feeling or a gut response, depending on how you're wired, and pulling on those thoughts, feelings or gut responses down into our inner world and discovering some of the truth that actually lies deep at the core of us. If we discover the truth down there is uh, reflects God and his kingdom, we can kind of celebrate and be encouraged about what we discover. But if you're like me, we have this issue with this thing called sin. And so often when we pull the thread down, what you might discover is something that smells a little bit like Christ sometimes, or maybe was Christ, or maybe it just wasn't at all, but it doesn't reflect God his love or his kingdom. And so there's an opportunity to repent, to change our minds and to move differently in this world as a response. So that's where we're heading. However, if you're listening in the car at the moment or if you're in a space where it's probably not as easy to stop and take a moment and to give this a go, why don't you hit pause and come back to this at a more appropriate time when you can actually put this little practice into practice. If you're still listening, I'm assuming you're ready to go. The first thing we want to do, you actually want to find a space where you can be still and comfortable. I like to sit and I want to sit in a way where I'm comfortable, but I'm not so comfortable that I'm nearly falling asleep. So I like to sit at attention. Take five deep breaths and slowly breathe out. Slow each breath down as I go. And in this process, I actually become more present to what is happening right 
around me in this moment. Not the worries of this world or not the the other things that are going on around me, but just me and God here in this moment. And the next thing I want to do is just invite Holy Spirit because we need him, right? So I just invite Holy Spirit to come and to help. Specifically, Holy Spirit, we want to ask you to identify the feeling, the thought, or the gut response that we're going to take captive today. And that you're going to lead us in and and draw us deeper into a discovery of our inner world and how your truth can get in down there. Now, the first step, as we said, we want to take a thought captive to and make it obedient to Christ. So the very first step is to grab a hold of one. So how do you grab a hold of one? Well, for me, um, uh, I'm actually in the heart center. So for me, the things that are closest to the surface, they're most accessible are my emotions or my feelings. So generally speaking, that's the thing that I'm, one of the things I'm going to grab a hold of. But for you, you might be in the gut or the, the head center. And so likewise, it might be your thoughts that are more accessible, or it might be your gut instincts that are the first thing that's at the surface of your life. Whatever it is, uh, you want to grab a hold of one. Now, the tricky thing is that for me, my, my feelings, one feeling kind of connects to the next feeling, which connects to the next feeling, which connects to the next feeling. And so it can be really hard just to slow down long enough to just grab a hold of one. And so what I do is I like to have a bit of paper or my journal in front of me and just slow down enough, grab a hold of one, and I write it down or I speak it out loud and say, Lord, I'm feeling this way. And so for you, it might be, Lord, I'm thinking of this way. Oh, Lord, this is just, this is my gut response. This is what I want to do right now. And write that down or say it out loud. Now, step two, whether it be a thought, a feeling, or a gut response, we want to pull on this particular thread down. It's very easy to go from thread to thread. As we talked about thoughts and feelings, they connect to one another very easily. Um, So avoid that. Rather, stay with this one thread and pull it down. Now, I've talked about the different centers. One center is usually more accessible to us. The gift of the other centers or the ones not as accessible is that they're actually an avenue deeper into our internal world. So for me, my feelings and my emotions are really close to the surface. If I pull on those a little bit deeper, I can start to connect with my thinking that's connected with that same feeling. So as I, as I pull on apprehension, I ask God, what's, what's the thoughts that is sitting below my apprehension? I realize that I'm feeling apprehensive because I have a breakfast that I'm going to and there's going to be a bunch of people there, Christian leaders and different ones. The thought around this apprehension is maybe if people see me, they won't like me. And so right there, I've just, I've I've connected just a layer deeper with what's going on in my internal world. And then for me, the thing that's the hardest for me, I'm a number four. The gut center is actually one that's really difficult for me to connect with. But as I sit with this long enough, and especially now that I've been able to identify the feeling and now a thought that sits below that, I pull it a little deeper. And the thing I want to do is I want to stay silent and stay safe. That's the, that's the action I want to live out as I go into this meeting is stay silent, stay safe. So this is what we do. We actually start to pull these threads down. So if, you're, if you are in a head center, you might start with the thought and then might be what feeling is connected with that thought. If you're in the gut center, it might be start with the gut 
action or response and then pull a little bit deeper what thoughts or feelings are connected with that gut response once you've done that you've started to build a bit of a picture of your internal world now there's one more step as we pull a little bit deeper see all these things these gut responses these feelings these these thoughts they all have an orientation and it's and it's to do with the truth that we are believing or the truth we're actually living out of at this particular point in our lives we discover what that truth is and the beauty of that is we actually can see whether that truth represents god's truth or whether it represents something that is a bit of a distortion or a bit of a distraction or um just a outright lie of what god actually says is true the good news is is the enemy's tactics are relatively simple he takes aim at god's truth but he takes aim at it really specifically most of the time he takes aim at the truth of who we are and the truth of who god is and so as we pull on these thoughts and these feelings and these gut responses we look for the truth that sits below them what does it say about who i am and what does it say about who god is and so take mine for example I'm feeling apprehensive. Uh, the thoughts are that if people see me, they won't like me. The action or the gut response is stay silent, stay safe. The truth that I'm living out of is if you see me, you will leave me. You won't like me. Now, as I take that captive to God, it's pretty easy to say that doesn't marry up with his truth. But you might do this and you realize that the truth you discover does actually look a bit more like God's truth. So what do you do in response to that? Well celebrate and be encouraged because you're living in light of who god is and in light of who god says you are but if it's like me in my example and uh it actually doesn't reflect god's truth we've got a choice to choose to repent or not repentance just simply means to change your mind and so i've got this truth that sits below right in the center of me and i've got a choice to change my mind about that truth to change your mind about a particular truth to move away from something that is false or a lie requires that we replace it with a truth god's truth because the thing is if we don't do that if i just say to god look i'm feeling like if people see me they will they won't like me and i just say god take that i leave what i actually do is i leave a, a vacuum inside my internal world and when you have a vacuum it's just looking to fill it with something and unless i fill it with god's truth in that point or replace it I can tell you by the end of the day I'm probably going to be right back where I started living out of that same truth that I just asked God to take. While you're down here and you're spending some time with God, it's just a moment to say Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God, what is your truth that replaces this lie that I've been living out of? I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son, particularly the moment where the son's on his return trip home and the father sees him still a long way off and he runs to the son. He doesn't look at what I bring to the table. He doesn't look at what I've done or, you know, even my physical appearance. He sees me and he runs to me because he loves me. And I say, Jesus, would you replace this lie sitting at the core of me in the moment that if you see me, you'll run from me? Would you replace that lie with your truth that my God sees me and he loves me? And would you let that grow in my life today? Even just now sharing about that, my spirit is moved. Oh, I feel better already, but that's not the end of the process. There's a, another little part. Now, just we're going to take a little moment just to pull this new truth back up through the different layers of our lives. As I do this for my thoughts, feelings, and gut responses, when I live out of the truth that I am seen and I am loved by God, uh, my gut response is: I want to go to this meeting and just sit there with anticipation about what might happen. 
I'm feeling excited and anticipating God's movement. And so rather than feeling apprehension, I'm actually excited. Ah, my thinking turns to the wonder of God. And as his people gather together to talk about mission in the local context, I just, I wonder about what might be possible. I feel like just in that moment and through this process, I I experienced a little transformation. I actually am a different person from beginning this process to the person that comes out of it. It's a meditative one because it actually takes us slowly deeper down in and it connects us with our internal world. As Seth and Serena have been describing to you, it fulfills what Paul's instructions in uh, the Second Corinthians 10 to take the thoughts captive to God and make them obedient. I feel like it actually does that really tangibly. I'd love you to give it a practice. You might want to do this by yourself. If you do, that's great. Have a crack. I do take a journal or something like that. And be kind to yourself along the way because it does take practice. Another way of giving it a crack, take a special friend and maybe even coach each other through this a little bit and help each other, especially around the thoughts and feelings and the gut responses. Sometimes we can get a bit stuck because some of those things don't come as naturally. So as we share with someone who we trust, it actually can be helpful to discover more insights along the way. I hope this blesses you and I hope you too can experience some transformation along the way. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. That's so helpful. Capturing your thoughts is so important and and just the way you've clearly laid out how we can do this is really helpful. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I have a few really important questions I want to ask you, and I know you're going to be sticking around with the Q&R later on in this season. So I'm not going to ask you now. I'm actually going to write them down and then hopefully you can answer them. In fact, now would be a good time to just remind our listeners to continue sending your questions through. We've been getting some really helpful ones and some really tough curly ones that I'm looking forward to Ryan and Serena answering and me kind of deflecting. But we would love you guys to actually record your voices and put your voices straight onto the podcast. It's really easy. You can go to our website. There's a way Mm -hmm. to do that and you just upload the question that you're asking. So if you haven't done that yet and you've got a burning question, jump on there. Or you can just send us an email with it, but I would prefer to hear your voice. (laughs) Now, we're going to continue talking about the different spiritual practices. In fact, next episode, we'll be talking to two Aussies around prayer and meditation, and we'll be hearing their personal stories and experience of what it looks like to practice these in their own context. And Serena, I know you've been having a number of people contacting you about coaching but could you remind us how do people do that how do they connect in with that yeah just jump on our website at the nine design.com where you can fill in a form and it comes directly to me and we'll schedule a time so set aside half an hour we'll chat through what coaching could look like for you it's usually a really fulfilling process and i know that i've been getting lots out of coaching and i've had some really good feedback too so Yeah, if you're still looking to discover your type or know what to do once you've found your type or would just like some coaching towards goals and growth, contact me on our website. Yeah, it's really, really important and helpful to walk with someone as you're trying to learn this and as you're digging into it. And so I highly recommend you get on board with this if you want to process this a little bit deeper. And as always, thank you so much for listening and uh, sharing this podcast, talking about it and spreading it. It's been so helpful. You can also find us on social media if you haven't yet. Follow what we're doing. We've got lots of little bits that we put out there that you don't hear or see on this podcast. Something that would be really helpful is if you review us on iTunes and on Spotify. Leave a five-star review or comment, and that way it actually helps more people find out about us. And as you go out this week, remember, 
that you were designed to reflect the original. 